Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. And we have a repeating guest on the podcast tonight from way back in December 2020. Uh, that's how long ago it was. We have Ronan Malarney here, one of the first few guests we had on the podcast. Uh, golfer from Galway who recently had a, a pretty impressive two weeks uh, that I want to get stuck into. So, first of all, Ronan, thanks for coming back on. How are you? All good, Stephen. Thanks for having me. No worries, man. Yeah, it's 18 months ago since we spoke on the podcast. I'm sure you've you've been thinking about it ever since. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's amazing how different the world is now. Than we were locked up like animals back then. We were. Yeah, we were. That's what I was going to say. It was one of those. You were still able to practice, but not 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 at the same capacity you are now. It's a. No, no. I was. Uh, I was lucky to still have that swing room at home, but no, it's nothing like being outside. No, definitely not. Uh, Ronan, look, obviously, you played in your first major there last week. Um, we will get stuck into that. We'll get stuck into qualifying. But let's talk about first what you've, since we've last spoken, you're playing on the, the PGA Euro Pro Tour. Uh, how's life treating you on there? How are you finding professional life? Uh, are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to describe. It's different. It's different. It's, uh, it's taken probably a lot, a lot longer than I thought to kind of, um, I don't know what quite the right word is, but maybe settle. Um, so it it definitely has taken a bit of adjustment, slightly different than what I thought um, in relation to courses and uh, and things like that. So um, yeah, no, but with each event that passes, you feel more and more comfortable. So hopefully things start turning around. And when you say it took a while to settle, is in the standard of golf, is it? The standard of course, the type of course? Kind of... <laughs> Not so much the standard of golf. Um, maybe a little bit hard than I expect, but I expect it to be good. Like, there's no form of professional golf that isn't good, but just kind of the lot. Like, everything is different from traveling week in, week out, which I did a lot of as an amateur, but not continuously week in, week out. Um, different courses, um, different types of courses, different greens. Um, it's just everything, everything is different. Bar clubs and the ball you use but other than that everything is everything is done. and then coming off a little bit of a layoff like COVID and things like that so there was um yeah there was a lot of it was a lot of different factors but uh yeah like i said hopefully hopefully puts start dropping and ball starts sinking in close to flags is do we as golf fans because obviously we see the glamorous side of professional golf we see we see we see rory we don't necessarily see the pga Euro pro tour kind of guys are we are we foolish in the fact that, yeah, as you said, you're traveling every week, you know, you get to a, probably a new course on a Monday or Tuesday, your practice round, you're into a probably, maybe, I don't know if they do pro-ams on this or not, but then you're into a round. And like I said, this is your livelihood. This is not uh, just for the crack. You know, are, are we are we naive with our kind of view on professional golf? Um, Yeah. I, yeah, like probably, probably, yeah. It's it's definitely not glamorous. I can, I can assure you that it is not glamorous. But... It's it's weird. Like golf is the one professional sport. Like if you watch, um, so Europro's third tier professional golf. If you watch a third tier football match, for example, you kind of have a good idea that it is a third tier football match. The the pace of the game, the skill involved in the game, all that type of stuff. But if you see a guy who wins on the Europro, I guarantee you they will compete on most tours that week. So you put that person playing that exact golf on the European tour, on certain PGA tours. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they're going to be there, thereabouts. So you watch a third-rate tour, but you could see multiple people play top-tier golf. So it's very strange that way. That's just, that's just the game we play. So, um, yeah, the standard the standard is good, absolutely. But um, the depth isn't there, and that's obviously why it's, why it's the third-tier third tier tour. And how has your game been? Do you have you feel like you've progressed since we last spoke? Has your game taken to another level? Um, well, I could say on paper, I would say I'm a better golfer, but that's not that's not playing. Like I can hit more shots, I can hit more shots with more comfort, better idea what I'm doing, constantly understanding things a bit better. But then you have to do all that in competition, and the only way to get better at that is to play more competitions. So, um, yeah, I think I I think I'll. Uh, Probably last year was a bit of a learning year. Um, this year started okay. And then obviously the big hold of a loop from the Open, so I missed the last couple of weeks in the Europro. Um, so hopefully now challenge towards next week in the K Club. I know quite well. I'm going to play there a good few times before the week starts. So um, yeah, hopefully 
next week now will be the start of start of a good good spell. Yeah, because we often hear as golfers, you know, you play somewhere for the first time and you say, if I came back here tomorrow, I'd probably sh- shave six shots off. Yeah. How, you know, a regular Euro Pro Tour, how actually many times are you playing the course before competition starts? So what I like to do is I like to play, excuse me, it's 18 on the Monday and nine on the Tuesday. So you'll play probably 27 and then maybe the nine might necessarily be the front line of the back and I might play the first four and last four or something like that, depending on how the course is laid out. So that's kind of how you've laid it out. Now, the only difference is like we go around and we're actually allowed to use bushels and we've quite detailed yardage books as well. So there is a couple of advantages rather than someone just rocking up and playing. Um, yeah, so there is, uh, you know, you do you do know quite well, but the difference is playing the second years. I've already played. Now, they're not all the same courses, but I'd say, what do we play, like 14 events in a year? I'd say there's like seven, maybe eight courses that are the same as last year. So in last year, I wasn't playing that well. And what you should probably do is take a week off and practice. But I was like, no, I'm just I'm going to play everything because it'll be an advantage to me this year. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's loads of advantages to, to playing, um, to get more and more experience out there, not just the golf course. What, what do you feel is more beneficial? You kind of mentioned there, you know, to taking a week off to practice or do you rather the, the actual repetitions in competition? Do you feel like that's more beneficial to you long term? um yeah it, it kind of depends like if you're if you're somewhat close and say puts aren't dropping or there's a couple of a couple of holes or a couple of shots that are costing you big time you're better off playing but if if it is a bit of a struggle and the misses are quite wide and nothing's kind of going your way, you're definitely better off taking a week off and the end of the week off sometimes the week off might be an actual week off where you don't do much but other times the week off is tougher than going playing events. There's a lot of hours in balls, a lot of putts, chips, and things like that. So, and um, you know, there's there's so many ways you can go about it. I'm still trying to figure it out. So. Yeah, I think yeah. The way I can kind of judge by what you're saying is yeah, you're still learning as you go here a lot. Yeah. Uh, are you still working with mainly as your dad as your coach, or have you have you branched out? No, I still work with dad. Um, I still work a good bit with dad, and then I do a little bit of putting work with Donald Scott, and then. Noel Fox, I was, uh, I did a bit of work with Noel in college, but Noel is like kind of like a sounding board. Like Noel was a pro, he was top amateur. He's coaching Harrington as well. So he's been on, he, he's around the tour a lot. So Noel's like a bit of a sounding board for me, but yeah, no, mainly it is that. Very good, very good. Well, we'll get, well, let's get stuck into the open qualifying. Obviously, how was, how was your mindset going into that? Where you, where you, how was the game? Were you confident going into that? Um, I could give you two answers here. Um, I was well physically. I was absolutely shattered before I played. I was. Uh, it had been. I had drove the car over. Tony Burke sponsored me with the car again this year, so brilliant to have that. And I got the ferry over because there was. I think two. That was the end. That was my third week over there. So. Uh, the reason I, I obviously brought the car over was there was a lot of traveling needed and I want to do it in a rental car. That just makes things more awkward. So I brought my own car over and um, that was the end of, like I was saying, a three-week spell. So I was really, really tired. And I was actually, uh, so like how I would book hotels, you look on booking.com or hotels.com and you see something for a reasonable price and you book it. There you go. And I got there and I was like, where am I staying here? It was above a bar. <laughs> so... <laughs> so, so i had a, i was first out which is 7 a.m so if you're out at 7 a.m basically at the latest it's a 5 30 wake-up call so um there was a i got into the bar or i got into the bar got into the place i was staying that night and uh it's it's like a rock concert down there i was wondering what is going on here so eventually i got uh, one of the girls behind the bar and i was like so what's going on here? And she goes, oh, it's live music tonight. And I was like, oh, that's great. And uh, I was like, well, so what time is this finished yet? And she was like, oh, half 11. And I was like, all right, okay. So um, that was fine. So I had a bit of music to help me get to sleep until half 11. And then, um, yeah, it was up at half five. So I was I was tired, even though I did sleep well that night. And um, yeah, it was. it's a tough golf course. It was windy and uh, it was warm. And... Um, 
So it really reminded me of playing uh, like links golf because, you know, there was some crazy pins it was way off the back tees and certain holes that it never should have been off the back tees. So it's just, it was just really tough. Like, so um, that's completely different to what we play on the Euro Pro, completely different. So I haven't played that type of stuff in over two years. So, um, but no, no, it was interesting. Kind of just think my way around and not so much play it safe. Like, but there was times where you're not even trying to hit the green. You're trying to leave it in a spot where the chip is going to be really easy. And so there's a lot of thinking involved, which again, I love that type of stuff. It's not just hitting the ball, walking after, hit it again. And there's more thinking involved. So, uh, no, it's good. And you obviously, you kind of grew up playing in winning conditions. Was that, uh, with the PGA Europe Tour, you said you're not playing that. Was it almost like, a, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable in this, I've, I've grown up kind of playing in this, and is that why it kind of all clicked? Yeah, possibly. Um, it's not so much we don't play on windy conditions in the Euro Pro, but it was, um, like, there's, there's plenty of events that it gets quite windy, but it's more the course the course like even on a calm day is just really tough so then when you add the, the tougher pins and the weather conditions on top of it it was really tough so we we don't play anything like that on the euro bro and then obviously grew up being used to that grew up where level bar is a good score because not necessarily the course is hugely tough but the weather it could be hammering down rain or wind sideways like i said the pin tees are off, off the backs so and we used to play amateur golf so um yeah, that was that was real reminiscent of amateur golf. So yeah, maybe I, I would say I probably have an advantage over a lot of those guys because a lot of those guys were obviously pros and have been pros for many years. So they would have played similar golf when they were younger, but when they were younger it was a lot, a lot long ago than when I was younger. So um I have an advantage that way playing Lynx golf. So is that do you think that's a fall with pro golf today? Because Rory's even I think been has said kind of trying to get your game suited to windy conditions when he probably plays at two, three times a year max yeah. compared to the other 20 odd times he plays in, you know, not windy conditions where the ball has to go high to stop quick. Do you think that's a fault of modern day golf with the lack of links courses? It's a good question. Um, I think even just from like very brief conversations with some of the guys last week, I don't think they would be too up for it. Um, so not maybe a little bit too tough, but I think too inconsistent. Like this stuff of hitting the ball down the middle and it catches the side slope, and you're you're kind of up the face of a pothole bunker is gonna, I think, cause a lot of golf clubs to be snapped. So it might be, uh, it, yeah, they definitely wouldn't be up for it. Um, yeah, I don't know, possibly, possibly this probably maybe a couple of more events it would make it it's probably slightly more interesting for the viewer and um, but there's like there's so many other ways to make golf more difficult like i don't know about most people like but when i sit down and watch golf and you see kind of 24 and 25 and 2600 power winning on the pga tour i don't know i think when the u.s open comes around and kind of anything around level power is a great score i think that's more i think one i think the viewer can kind of um associate with that a bit more and two it's you know, it's kind of, it's nice to see that they are somewhat human. So I think a few more of even of those events might make things a bit... We we enjoy the carnage of you. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm the exact same. I'm the exact same. I remember I, anytime the British Open is on, I, I always hope there's you know, hammer and wind and rain. And I remember thinking this year, no, no, no. I hope, hope it's decent this year. Well, uh, that's, a, yeah, that's, a good, that's a question I was going to ask later on. We, we can get to that in a little bit. But. <laughs> Did you have a did you have a, a score in mind going into that open qualifying? Did you have an idea roughly what it was going to be to get in? Not really, no. Um, like I was explaining, kind of the layout of the course, like I just found there was so much thinking involved and kind of strategy that I was so focused on that. I didn't really think about score. Now with a few holes to go, and again, don't forget I'm first out, so my view of what's what's needed to qualify, I'm about an hour and a half off because there's still so many guys to play. Excuse me, the way the course was designed is loads of holes go out and then loads of holes come back in. So you'll play X number of holes, say out, for example, that are all into the wind, that even shorter holes become quite long and quite tough. And then even long holes on the way in when they're downwind, rock solid fairways, they play real short, they're all very chances. So um my even my view of what was a good what was a correct score, like for example, I thought that I was probably going to be in a playoff when I finished in um in sandwich um and it turned out i wasn't lucky enough so um 
yeah, you can only be, you can only kind of take an educated guess at it. But no, I didn't really have an idea. In terms of selecting which course you go to, is that, do you just apply and then they randomly select your course or do you select the course you want to qualify at? Yeah, so I would have, you select your preferences, first and second preference. And then depending on entries and loads of different things, you get either, you know, what you select or what they can give you. Um, so I did have a, I did have a rough view of them and I played the British amateur there. So I played that golf course before. So I knew what it was like. Um, even though I'm saying that it was completely different. <laughs> so it's a lot tougher golf course than it was then. They've had a lot of length to it. So, um, yeah, but I just felt even just knowing the course, even a small, but from all those years ago was, was going to help. And I, I, I knew the town, I knew where I stayed and things like that. So just all those little things that help. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, you said you have, you had an hour and a half wait and thinking maybe a playoff. What what's that hour and a half? I assume you go get some food, kind of rest up a little bit, but then ha- no, no, you stay on the range. No, I couldn't. No, there's no time for eating. Like I wouldn't have been able to eat. Um, normal person, maybe I wasn't able to eat though. Um, I, funny enough, actually, and they weren't even new golf shoes. I don't know what happened, but both my feet were absolutely killing me it was like someone had stabbed me in my foot so i was actually standing sitting in the car and people were asking me where was i hitting golf balls and i was like ideally i probably would have but i i couldn't really i was in a lot of pain so i just kind of sat in the car and then obviously the longer i waited the more i thought there's less likely of a chance of a playoff so the longer i waited the better it looked so i didn't necessarily need to um so i was like yeah it was it was miserable though like i go to the car i'd have a drink I'd sit down, I'd try and distract myself. I'd watch something on YouTube. That'd last three or four minutes. I'd get up, I'd go to the toilet, I'd go for like a short walk, go back to the car, just repeat again, try and keep myself occupied. So um yeah, it was it was miserable like, but I suppose it all worked out. Nothing worse, as any golfer listening would know, as uncomfy shoes or bad golf shoes. Oh. Uh, it r- ruins the whole experience. It, absolutely, absolutely. When when the realization kicked in when the final scores were counted and you were into the open. Talk us through those few minutes. Does it sink in straight away? Does it take a couple of hours? Mm, yeah, it doesn't really sink in. I uh, what I did was as soon as I finished, I turned off all the notifications on my phone. So even five minutes after I finished, I started getting phone calls. So I turned all of them off. So um, yeah, it didn't really sink in. Um, well, one night Euro Pro the very next day, so I had to somewhat get ready for that. And it was about an hour and a half away, so I had to, I had to drive. But um, no, we attempted just to not play that one. <laughs> Any chance? Yeah, I was like I said, I was a little bit worried with the state of my, my feet. Could I play? But uh, no, no, no it's fine. The next day, and um, I did feel like I'd been twelve rounds with Mike Tyson the next day, but I was I was fine to play. Um, yeah, no, I just said when I was over there, like I was going to get the ferry home after that event. I think it was already booked. So it was either, I suppose I could have changed the ferry time, but I was over there and entered. I'm just going to play it. Um, looking back on it, maybe shouldn't have played. Probably not, actually. But um, no, to go back to your original question, no, it doesn't really, it doesn't really sink in. It kind of, it's just on to the next one. Because it's not just, obviously it's a major, it's the Open, but it's also the 150 at Open. It's also at St. Andrews. Also, at you know, a lot of rooms of time, Tiger's last, possibly one, probably the last one at St. Andrews. It's a big deal. You know, if you're going to qualify for your first one, you might as well do it there, I suppose. Uh, well, I'm sure. I'm sure that was your thinking on the last few holes, was it? <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say all that. I and mean, the guy from the RNA, a nice guy, interviewed me afterwards, and he said exactly what you're just after saying. But I really don't. I, I'm probably bad in that way. I don't see things that different. I see it the way it's a major, and that's a big deal, and that's great. But the 150th St. Andrews, the 100th at the Carnoustie, the 120th, wherever, it doesn't necessarily resonate with me. Now, when I got there, it resonated with me a lot more. But uh, up to that, it didn't really resonate with me at all. Like, I've played St. Andrews so many times. That resonated with me, so that was an advantage. Um, but no, race the 150th. Yeah, loads of people have said that to me. It doesn't really kind of, that's not necessarily what I would, would uh, kind of resonate with me. Yeah, but it was just even qualifying for your first major yeah, is, I'm sure, bloody exciting. Yeah. How did your mom and dad react? I'm sure your dad was incredibly proud. Yeah, very, um, very subdued on the phone. I don't know was he holding it back. I was surprised, but um, no, no, no. Maybe that's where you you must that's where you must get it from. So <laughs> you were yeah. subdued about it. Where you get my boring side from? Yeah, um, 
yeah, no, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure there were delighted. I'm sure there were delighted. Um, but uh, yeah, I was still probably giving out to him about the driver I hit off to 15 team. So that's probably why he was a bit subdued. But uh, no, no, they were all delighted. That's such a golfer thing to do, by the way. You just qualify for the open, and you're like, "Oh, but if only I hit that shot better, it would have been so much easier." And when I say that shot, though, it was about it was about thirty then. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Well, obviously, before you get to the open, you talk to us. Talk to us about the Bryson Shamble. So anyone doesn't know, uh-huh. you got a lift, not just a lift uh, on a private jet, Bryson's private jet. Uh, from Shannon Airport over to the Open. So talk us through where were you? Uh, how did you know? When did you meet him? How did the whole can I get a lift on the private jet thing come about? Yeah. Give us all the details because yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to experience this, Ronan, so I'm going to live vicariously yeah. through you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't actually Bryson's private jet because he was talking to me about that. He was like, there was a time where he's contemplating getting one, but he was like, no, no, no. So it was, uh, I, don't know, I think it was NetJets or whatever. But um, yeah, that was... That was pretty, uh, that was pretty cool. So to go back to the original question. So as soon as I qualified, so uh, it was actually about this, I think it was this exact week last year. I, uh, I was struggling a little bit with my game. I had a week off in the Euro Pro and I went, um, I went to Dune Bay. I played there multiple times before to do a bit of a, a practice, just a couple of days for myself. Um, there's lots of places around Galway you could practice like they're just so busy you make that is that a little bit quieter so I went down there and I was introduced to the pro down there Brian Shaw nicest man you can meet so I got down there and couldn't do enough for me they were so so good to me I really like it down there it's really like peaceful everything is five star it's amazing so as soon as I qualified and again it's easy for me to say this now but this is the truth it was the first place I thought of I was like that's the place I want to go so that was fine so uh Adon actually funny enough you mentioned him just before we started the podcast there he uh, shout out shout out to Adon he loved that yeah shout out to Adon he uh he got a message off uh Dave Scully used to be a member of Galway but he's now a member down in Dunbeg and he had said to Adon if Ronan wants to practice in Dunbeg he goes I'll sort all that out and I know Dave quite well so Adon got back to Dave and said Dave Ronan would love to go down so Dave rings me up now I'm not exaggerating when I say as soon as Adon sent the text it was within five minutes Dave rings me up and goes Ron, I hear you want to come down. And I was like, geez, Dave, come on, you're on the ball. So he goes, I'll start all that. He goes, I'll be back to you in 10 minutes. Just like the original phone call, nine minutes, 55 seconds later, Dave rings me. And he goes, Ronan, that's all sorted. He goes, I have you down there. I said, I want to be down there from Wednesday to Friday. He goes, Wednesday to Friday, if you want to stay any more days or want to come down there early, he goes, you let me know. It's all sorted. I said, oh, come on, Dave. He goes, there's only one thing. He goes, you won't be down there by yourself. I was like, okay. And he goes, um, he goes, Bryson Shambo is going to be down there. I said, <laughs> I like the way he had to give a second name as if he said Bryson yeah, yeah. wouldn't have known who he was talking about. Oh, which Bryson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Bryson are we talking about now? I was like, I was like, Dave, you're joking me. So uh, he goes, no, he'll be down there. And he goes, Brian's going to introduce him to you when you're down there. So uh, he goes, it's only it's only going to be the two of you down there. I was like, geez. And the other thing they did was they, um, they have a 19th hole down there. So during the winter, I don't know if they give each hole on the course a break or something like that, but... They have a small part three just as you drive in there, and that's their uh, their nineteenth. They shut that for us, and they got they they rang the greenskeepers over in St Andrews, and they got it at the exact same speed. So like it's all those little touches. It's uh, like I can't thank them enough. It was incredible, and uh, go down there and absolutely the run of the place. You just it's two sided range, millions of golf balls used the course. Bogey had that hole to ourselves, and. It was literally just me and him practicing for three days. Um, he didn't play much golf. I think he only played about two nines. He's more of a, a practicer than a player. So I didn't actually play with him. But I spent hours with him, hours and hours. So that was, uh, it was brilliant. Fun I, read, I read that you, uh, when you find out you're going to be uh, spending time with him, you wrote out questions that you've been wanting to ask him for a while. Is that years, true? Years um questions upon questions upon questions and when he answered the questions there was more questions so there was so many questions but he was brilliant because he would say certain things he would have certain terms for certain things and I would have a very good idea what they mean but I wasn't certain so I was like he'd be in the middle of a conversation I'd be like Bryson just what what do you mean by that and he goes he goes he goes no no don't be afraid to ask but he he goes when you ask me that you're reaffirming what I actually think I mean. So he was like, he was so happy to be questioned about what he thought. It was, yeah, it was brilliant. Like 
I know I sound like a fanboy and that's okay because I am. <laughs> so uh, it was like, I, he couldn't have been nicer to me with his time. It was brilliant. Absolutely. Like Bryson is he's such a polarizing character. I don't necessarily love all the stuff he does, but you cannot deny the charisma of the man. Like I, I'm, I'm addicted to his YouTube videos that he puts up, and like he did, he released one the other day where he's working out with Tim Tebow, and I'm glued to it for 15 minutes. Like, and they're just working out and hitting golf balls, and it's just like he's just pure entertainment. And it's nice to hear that he is. He does seem to be quite a genuinely nice guy when it comes, you know, it comes to uh, in-person meets, and it's good to hear that you kind of confirmed that. So, the 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 mad thing with him is, is obviously he's, you know, he's he's extremely wealthy now, but he remembers what it was like to not be wealthy, and that comes across. Like I know it's it's kind of a ridiculous thing to say, and he's flying in private jets and all these things, but he really does remember what it's like to not have much, and you can see that in certain things he does even offering me the flight, come with me. There's like, there's lots of things. It's, it's very clear to see this. Well, I haven't met too many people, you know, who would be, you know, really, really well off like that, but I think it's a really nice trait. And it's probably, you know, it wouldn't be, it'd be very easy to get kind of, um, to forget, I suppose. So uh, yeah, he was, he was brilliant. And the one thing I will say is that like, he, he, he really does. And I know it's kind of, it's easy to say, but he really does have the best intentions. Like when he talks about growing the game, that's really what he wants to do. I can't tell you the amount of times he said that over the four or five days I spent with him. He said that so many times. And I used to think kind of, well, I never passed too much remarks on that remark that he would make growing the game, but that's really what he wants to do. And he wants to do kind of in his own way. So that's through YouTube or hitting it long or trying to get kind of more athletes or that bigger stronger guys playing golf and see where that goes things like that but yeah he's that's really his goal yeah he's definitely growing in the modern sense i 100 percent agree with the 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 youtube stuff and the the encore i think a lot of his a lot of his reasons for joining the live was that he can bring his kind of youtube cameras on course and film sort of on the course stuff so that would be pretty cool like and um yeah that's, let me talk to you about uh talk to me about uh him hitting balls beside you like uh, we haven't uh, i haven't seen it in person the the high bombs and all that is it as impressive as it as it seems so it's i was describing this to one of the lads it's like if you're ever in the gym and say someone who's in into some sort of combat hits the heavy bag be them a bigger or a smaller person there's a, there's a thud it's a heavy thud that's him hitting golf balls it's 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 weird it, like i've seen a lot of guys who can really hit it and this is this is different this is it's like it's not just speed and power it, there's like a weight behind it i don't know how he doesn't go through well, he probably does go through driver heads like like sweets it's uh it is really impressive it's really impressive but um but i have to say though that is like and the, hitting it far and hitting it hard and all those things and that's no, it's great to see but so much more to it than that. Like his control over the ball is seriously impressive. And I was saying to him, I was like, so Bryson, if you're like un- uncomfortable on a tee shot or you're nervous or something, I was like, do you just, I was like, what What I would do is I would kind of hit a low one and I would kind of chase it out there. And he goes, no, man, he goes, I'm just, I just have a higher awareness of what I'm doing. And he hits one. Like, you know, obviously it went a million miles, like but it moved maybe two, two yards in the air. And Okay, right, okay, that's great. So it's uh yeah, it was really impressive. But like again, the way I play golf, the, the hitting the the smash and the long ball, you know, it's it's of somewhat of an interest. Like it it's pretty cool to see and all that stuff, but that's I, I don't hugely kind of pay too much pass too much remarks and that type of thing, because that's not how I play. I was more interested in, you know, how why he did it and then how he goes about it and how he practices what he's learned he's learned a lot so it's uh yeah valuable time did you uh did you like get to handle any of his clubs because obviously the the loft in them are sick like they're so low is it frightening to look down at some of them uh yeah absolutely yeah and then my little hands on those golf clubs the grips yeah massive (laughs) grips are massive um yeah no they're they're interesting but but even again that that's another thing like 
I don't think people realize how, again, I'm not sure the correct term is it headstrong or confident or, but to go so far against the grain in such a fickle sport like golf, like say, it doesn't matter what he was doing. So say it's the thick grips, say, say someone could prove that that is 100% categorically the correct thing to do to still go and do it when no one else does it, everyone else says it's going to be rubbish, it's not going to work, and commit to doing it and stay doing it is so impressive. Like, it's, I don't know what it is, like an inner belief or whatever, but it's, like, even in my setup, I have a few funky things going on, and, you know, especially when things aren't going well, like, it's a really easy target to kind of say, oh, maybe I'll change that, you know, something more conventional, things like that. And he's very... He's very good at just sticking to it. Believe it. This is definitely the right way it's going to be. It's going to turn us up stage. So it's, um, yeah, it is, it is impressive. Even like people forget he won like two PGA Tour events before he made this change, I think. Didn't he? At least won one event. Oh, no, no. He, so like he won more. I think he's won, I think he won four. He won four in one year. He won, I think he won six, six tournaments before he bulked up. That's what you mean, yeah? Before he bulked yeah. up, yeah. Before you yeah. made the big changes, like. Yeah, I think he's. Been- so it wasn't as if he was like struggling to make cuts. It wasn't as if he was, you know, on the on the downward path. He was very successful golfer. Absolutely, he was explaining to me. He had these certain feelings in his swing, and he said at a stage there he was playing. He felt he was playing the best golf in the world, and over time those feelings slightly left, and he couldn't get them back. He was wrecking his head like, "What are they? What are they? What are they?" And that's partly why he put on the speed. So he put on the speed to effectively like blow the system up to see with that outline what the problem was. To see, could he highlight where were these, what were these feelings he was getting or these positions he was getting into? And that was part of putting on the speed. He was just, he couldn't figure out what they were. So he was like, I'm just going to blow it up by bulking up and hitting it really hard and see where that took him. So he's constantly trying to, he says himself, he's, he's problem solving. That's constantly what he's trying to do. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like it's amazing, but he, um, he, he sure knows how to work. That's for certain. Yeah. Uh, even the speed sessions, he's hitting drivers at full tilt for an hour. Like he must be exhausted. Sorry. One thing I have to say, Stephen, sorry, before we go any further, this is one of the most impressive things, right? So like I said, he couldn't have been better with his time. He spent loads of time with me. So eventually I knew it was going to come to speed stuff. <laughs> Because he just, he loves it like, and uh, he was uh, we, were, we were going through things and he was watching me hit a couple of balls and he was like, you need to create a bit more snap at the bottom. I was like, okay. He goes, how would you go about doing that? He goes, give me your driver. So he took my driver and this is an exaggeration now because there's no need to exaggerate this. It was just past halfway on either side, so it was just past halfway back and just past halfway through with my driver. And he got a ball. It was just short of 190. It was 187. And to put that in perspective, like the average on tour is like 172 or something, which is really fast. So he took just over a half swing and was that that ball speed is it's by far number one on tour. Like, I've never seen anything like that. I was looking at like this. With, a dri- with your driver? My driver. And we were in woolly hats. It was freezing cold. I have never seen anything like that in my life. I was looking at him like, what was that? And I remember. At the time, there was a couple of, I don't know, were they caddies or juniors down in Dubai, found out he was there, and they were just coming over to have a look. And uh, they were watching him do this. And I was, I was like, oh, my God. What am I after watching? It was, uh, yeah, it was it's pretty impressive. Like. So is that is that wrist, is that just a wrist flex strength? Like, how the hell is he doing that? Yeah, it's incredible. There's lots, there's lots of things going on. He's... I, yeah what what how does that make you feel how, like what, you don't want to know you, ta- you don't want to know can you take can you take anything from that or is that just him showing off <laughs> uh, well maybe it was yeah it could have been a bit of both like but um one thing it it showed off is i could guarantee you two years ago he couldn't do that the work he's done to be able to do things like that it's bloody incredible and that's the other thing he says he's like he'd be like like I couldn't do this. This is all new to me. But he goes, you know, if you're willing to work hard enough, you can do it. Um, so he's very, he'd be very like adamant on that. Uh, which again is like it's kind of credit to him. 
Yeah, before we get on to the open, just give me a little snippet on the private jet. Is it as mo- is it as all is it all you thought it would be? Because it looks pretty small. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it looks pretty small. Ah, I don't know. Private jets. <laughs> no, not, not his. I'm not saying like you know it's it, it's definitely better than Ryanair. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But talk to me. How was it? Tell me. Would you would you do it again? <laughs> yeah, I recommend it to a friend. Yeah, um, yeah, like it's. It's pretty cool. I remember when I was packing my bags and I was like, mom and dad were helping me. And I was like, I wonder, is there a weight allowance here? Will they weigh it when I get on the plane? <laughs> allowed to take another bag. And it was the little box. If you can fit the yeah, bag in here. Exactly. Yeah, they fired off the plane. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. I remember when they got on the plane, they've obviously been on plenty of them. Like, and they're like, oh, this is a really nice private jet. And I was like, I can't quite comment, guys. I have no, uh, no history in this type of stuff. But, uh, I'll take your word. Yeah, for I'll it. take your word for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I talk. It was, it was so nice. The only pity was it's only a fifty-minute flight, so I had to I had to squeeze all my questions and all my like my viewing of this plane and all my excitement into this fifty-minute section. Like so, and yeah, talk so cool. Like the only thing I was fearful of is I have no problem flying or things like that, but if it would come to like a helicopter, I would have. I just I don't think I'd get in a helicopter. I have no interest. So I was wondering, I was like, oh, is this thing going to be kind of shaking up there? But no, not at all. So, in fairness, Ronan, if you're going to go out yeah. in a private jet with Bryson DeChambeau, is not a bad way to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true, too. I should have looked at it that way. I was thinking of the open layer that week, though, of all time for a plane to go down. Like, it was. Well, that's also true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before your major debut. Yeah, before yeah. major debut. But no, um, no, it was really cool. It's really cool. Um, the two guys, the caddy and the manager, fell asleep up front. They just put their the earphones in or headphones in straight to sleep so and then it was question time again <laughs> so no it was uh yeah it was, it was incredible like yeah I'd, i would love to have him on a podcast because i'd say you could just pick his brain for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours I need yeah exactly uh okay i thought you arrive in st andrews you, you kind of said the moment kind of or the the hype kind of sunk in when you actually arrived can you can you describe what you mean by that yeah so like I've, I'm actually looking enough. I played St Andrews, um, in an event the day after Louis stays in one, and uh, so I've played it with all the grandstands up and everything, but you don't. Well, this year was bigger than that as well. There was more grandstands, but like when it's filled with people, it is really like I, I've heard the saying. It's like a PG tour is like a traveling circus. It's the biggest understatement. It is crazy. Excuse me. There's just people everywhere, and uh, yeah, it is. It is pretty incredible. And I was lucky enough. I stayed in the uh, the old course hotel as you had over the seventeenth there, and every time I went down to the lobby, like Nick Faldo, Mark Romero, Gary Player, David Duval, like I remember, I got to the stage. One of the girls I was in college with, she now works on tour. She's like a player liaison. So when I got there, I was talking to her, and she works with Hamrick. And uh, it was one of my first times being at the player's place and Phil Mickelson was there. And I was like, her name is Kate. I was like, oh, Kate, there's Phil. And she just got my hand. She was like, Ronan, no more pointing. Not allowed pointing here. So I had to I had to kind of get used to things like that fairly quickly. But um, yeah, it, it does sink in kind of when you get there. You see all these big stands, all the excitement, all the people, the way they treat you. It's like royalty has showed up. <laughs> and yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. And went out and played straight away. So yeah. Uh, who'd you practice with did you uh, do you do you know many lads over there playing or no not particularly um i would have known uh victor hovland and sahit tiala i would play the palmer cup of them two really nice individuals so uh, i actually didn't get practice with either of them funny enough but just even when you're up in the having food or something i was chatting with them a little bit um and then the way it works just electronic system likes so just put your name down with whoever um Obviously, knew Shane a little bit. Um, he was very nice. He came up to me a couple of times and asked me how things were going. Um, so there's a few familiar faces. Um, but again, more non-familiar than familiar. Yeah, I was going to say that you. I know you played that Ar- Arnold Palmer Cup with Victor Hovland and was Matthew Wolf. Was Marikawa there as well? Yeah. Marikawa, yeah. Did you get chatting to Colin or Victor much? Uh, Victor a little bit. Um, Colin, I didn't. I didn't spend any time with him at the Palmer Cup. I just would have would have known him to see. Um, and Sahit, I played against Sahit, so I got to know Sahit a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, no, I was chatting to them. They're very, very approachable people. Really nice guys. 
Um, Sahith is getting quite a cult following. Uh, he's loved by fans. Yeah, yeah, he's a really, really likable individual, I have to say. He's uh, like, I watched him hit balls in the range one of the days before he played, and he was he was struggling a little bit. And he went out and shot, I think it was a three or four under. And I was like, good man. <laughs> it's really impressive. Like, but he's just so kind of, it nearly doesn't matter how he's how he was practicing. He just goes go out and he kind of has a good attitude towards it and just see where it takes him. He's just happy to be. Like, I was talking to him about his golf, and I was like, I was like, man, for a play, it's so impressive what you're doing. He goes, he goes, oh man, he goes, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So it's uh, really impressive. And actually, that's it's kind of weird I say that. A few guys have said that to me. I played a few holes with Abraham Answer, who, like, similar to writing down the questions for Bryson, I'd written down people I want to play with. And just by chance, I played the first four in St. Andrews. So it's nine out, nine in. Played the first four, wasn't going to play 18, but I wanted to play the back nine. So I played the first four and cut across and played the last four. And just so happened, Abraham Answer was over there. I was like, oh, it's perfect. Play the last four with him. And uh, we're walking down the 16th ferry and I was just talking to him about his golf. I was saying how he must have had a big, big impact on golf in Mexico. And he was like, he goes, yeah, yeah, I suppose I have. He goes, it's growing a lot there. But he goes, he was like, if, if you had told me four, four or five years ago, I am where I am now. He goes, I would have just laughed at you. I was like, just no chance. But he goes, it's not about kind of being intimidated that I'm here, but it's, it's about, you know, going, going do something now that I am here. But it, it still is mad to think I am here. A few people have said that. I just I thought that was quite interesting. So Bryson said that the same thing. So it's uh, it is mad how things work out. Not not that you fall into these positions, but sometimes things can happen way quicker than you think. Um, which is pretty cool because you kind of look at some of these guys and you kind of think they're somewhat superhuman and oh, they always expected to be in this position. You know, maybe they did, but definitely not as quick as they've got there. Yeah, it's a question. When I asked you to come on, it was one of the questions I definitely wanted to ask is. Obviously, you're going there as a pro when you're going there. Your mindset is to, you know, to score as low as possible. And I'm sure deep down, you, you know, you want to win it. And it obviously, you want to win it, but you believe you can win it. But at the same time, you're also, it's your first major. You're surrounded by these superstars. Like, are you fighting the urge to be a little bit of a fan as well? Are you are you solely dedicated on the golf? Like, I know if I went over there, I would be, the head would be blown. I wouldn't know what to think. I probably would just shank every ball. But like you're going over there as a, as a playing professional in the golf. I said you already sort of have a bit of a, a, a relationship with a few of the Irish pros. Like, are you is that, is it is it is it disrespectful for me to say that you're fighting the urge as a fan? I, I don't want to come that across as disrespectful because obviously you're you're a professional. But like, do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, absolutely. Not so much fighting the urge to be a fan, but fighting the urge to be just kind of question them, question them, question them. Because I, just so many questions to ask, and even even spending the time with Bryson, you're like, if if I could have got this like six months ago, and tried to implement some of it, it would be you know a lot more beneficial. When really, as it happened, I kind of had to block all the stuff, he, well, the majority of the stuff he was saying out last week. But this week, I could I could try some of the things out. Um, so it's not so much they're thinking. Oh, oh my god it's Francesco Molinari it's whoever Abraham answer it's more I have so many questions to ask these guys but you know you don't really want to come across as I suppose yeah I suppose kind of like a fan um, you're kind of there to do your own work so it's uh, yeah it is there is kind of a, I suppose a, like a tight rope to, to be walked there but um, yeah they were uh, like anyone who I would have asked a couple of questions to um, we're very we're very open with their answers. Stuart Sink was one of the best with him and his son was caddy. Just really, really nice individual. Really, really nice guy. So I always feel bad for Stuart Sink because he won the major that like nobody wanted him to win because <laughs> of Tom Watson. I I always, yeah, I know. I often felt bad for him. I was like it was a bit like actually had the open with, with Rory. I think everybody wanted Rory to win. I felt bad then for like Cam Smith because uh you know, he won the bloody open, but uh, yeah, yeah. back to you said kind of obviously you you play pretty well in the windy conditions and stuff like that. Yeah. But then you also said that you don't necessarily enjoy playing it. So what what kind of weather were you hoping for? Because obviously probably the, the the shittier the conditions, probably the more advantage you have over say a lot of the American guys, a lot of the kind of better weather country guys. But yeah. then obviously you don't want to be absolutely miserable for two days in your yeah. open debut. So what yeah. were you hoping for? Yeah, I wasn't really hoping for anything. I was just going to take whatever came. It wasn't, 
you know, you're, you're kind of prepared for whatever. I know it started, the week started at 30 degrees and it was swelteringly hot. Even the wind was warm. And then obviously finished in the dark Thursday evening, it was freezing. So we kind of got the lot, but uh, no, I was, I was just going to take whatever came. I wasn't necessarily hoping for anything. And um, there was a couple of holes where certain winds are really favorable. So I was hoping um, you, you'd have them. But uh, no, in general, I was just I was just gonna gonna take whatever it gave me and uh, try and make the most of it. I suppose. Yeah, talk to me about that. It was a five five over five hour round on the Thursday? I think you finished up at you finished up around half nine, didn't you? That that Thursday even six hours twenty finished at half ten. Christ! Oh, I was an hour off. Yeah. Wow! Oh, yeah. How the hell do you keep concentration for that long? Well, I have to say, and this is somewhat of a negative, but. When I was finishing on Thursday evening and someone was to say, you know, you're playing the British Open. It felt like playing a single stable for it out in the back of nowhere. Finishing in the dark, lads running the last few holes next to no one was there. I remember we were walking across the bridge on 18. These um, Americans had come out of most likely the pub and they were like, they were cheering us on. <laughs> they couldn't believe we were still out there playing. Like, But um, yeah, but in saying that though, it's like, that's no, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have happened that way, but it is, it is no excuse. Like if ever there was a man who was capable of playing in the, in the black or the the dark, it was me. I, I used to always play in the dark when I was younger because the only time go, it was quiet. It was so busy. So um, I used to go up at nine or half nine in the evenings and play a few holes. So that, that was no issue. Um, and we could, you know, when you're out in the dark long enough, you can, your eyes kind of adjust so you can see better than, Say if you had a camera on us, you were like they can't see anything. You know, you can see plenty. Um, so don't get me wrong, it wasn't easy and um it didn't help, but um like there was probably five, six, seven, eight, maybe more groups who had to put up with something very, very similar. So um it is what it is, you make the most of it and come back again tomorrow. But waiting on teas, what what are you are you just chatting to your caddy? Are you are you getting a few swings in to stay loose? Are you chatting to your playing partners because I know you played with Jack Floyd, who also qualified the same day as you, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then Lars Van, I'm going to absolutely butcher this pronunciation. Majel, Majel. Uh, yeah, I'm going to butcher it too. So yeah, good effort. Okay. For, um, like, did you know them lads beforehand? Were you friendly with them? Was your first time meeting them? No, didn't know them. Two lovely guys though, and Lars very last on on Friday to make the cut. So it's live for him. He's a good guy. Um. Jack plays similar, same level as me, just plays in the Alps. Really nice fella. He had his family over as well. They were nice people. So, um, no, I didn't know them, but obviously you get to know them. Wait, so so often on tees, played two rounds together. Um, so it was all, uh, it was all, uh, it was all good. But again, yeah, no, it's not easy. It's not easy. You're killing time. I was talking to a few of the guys that were following us. Um, that 14th tee was the longest one. That was a 45 minute wait uh, on the par five. No way. Yeah, that was a long one. Yeah, we got on there and we were the two groups in front of us hadn't teed off. So there was three groups on the tee box alone. Yeah. And what's causing that? Is that, I know, because I know St. Andrew's Cross is over a lot, shared greens. Yeah. Like, but that seems, even that, that seems outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was a bit scandalous. I, I kind of thought someone was having a joke with me at that stage. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what causes that. Like, there's no reason for it to be like that. There's no, that's a very demanding tee shot actually. But in general, there isn't too many. Like there's nothing, there's nothing crazy that's going to really slow up play. And there's obviously marshals on every hole. So there shouldn't be any time wasted when you're thinking, oh, should I hit or should I not hit? There's marshals telling you when to hit. So God only knows what causes that long, but it is like, there's no doubt about it. It's a disgrace. Like, but um, what they can do about it, I don't really know. Well, it's it's the discussion about St Andrews and modern day golf, but look, that's for a different conversation for a different time. Um, like for forty five minutes, I, I'd need to warm up again. Yeah, I felt like, uh, like do you know what I mean. Like, I especially when it's getting, as you said, it's getting colder and all that. Mm. Like, talk, how big of a skill is it to shut off mentally for you know the few minutes and then switch back on again? Yeah, I suppose it is. Funny enough, that's that's a really tough tee shot. Like if you if you wanted that and the seventeenth are the two holes, and probably more so that because in seventeen you can kind of you can kind of chicken out and go way left. 
on 14, if you do that, you're going to be caught by these pothole bunkers. So you, you have to take it on. You tee off on the out of bounds. If you miss it right, it's gone. So it's it's the most demanding tee shot there. But I actually hit probably the best tee shot of the week there after that weight. So again, it was, didn't it didn't uh, didn't affect me whatsoever. But it's more just there's a real lack of rhythm to everything. It did feel like your first tee shot again. Um, and lights fading and we were kind of a referee walks with each group and we were like you know if we're not going to get this in early and he goes that's very unlikely so he goes what's the story he goes probably have to come back first thing in the morning and then you're thinking right I have to come back here first thing in the morning and then we're playing 11 how's that gonna work and then you block all that out because remember still five holes left to play so there was lots of kind of there was a lot of things going on at the time but um yeah again you just kind of you just kind of get back to business like i've played loads of really slow rounds of golf before um Never. That was definitely the longest I was on the golf course. But yeah, I, I don't know. As soon as I kind of get back into golf, you, or you know, you're 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 next up to play or whatever else, you just kind of get back into it. You switch back on. So it's not something you kind of you have to try and do. De- definitely, from what I've ever noticed, obviously there's a skill gap between amateurs and pros, but the mental skill of just getting on with it or not reflecting on the the outside stuff that is the big the big uh the big difference between like good players and really good players yeah because yeah. i know myself like I, I would i would be thrown off by that <laughs> i would be annoyed i'd be like i'm not playing tomorrow i'm just not going i'm not going back even if it was the open at st andrews uh, i think a lot of it though as well as they've all they've all had that happen before they've all had 40 minute waits they've all had you know, you know, lots of it played in front of thousands, really awkward holes, fans booed them, yada, yada, shouting their backs. Like it's all happened before. If it was their first time doing it, it would be more off-putting. But when things like that have happened before, it's like, well, you know, I've done this before. It's not nice. It's awkward, but you know, I'll get on with it. So um, that my favorite word, experience, which I've got texted a lot over the last few days. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, you went out, you went out in three under in that front nine, Ronan. Did did did, did like a stark realization of the ten feel like I'm three under at the bloody open uh, at any stage kicking? Mm, yeah, I know what you mean. Not not particularly because I I did think like if I was playing in the Sanders Links Trophy, which is the event we always play there, I was like if I was three under three nine here, you'd be kind of thinking, you know, not bad, but you know, there's more chances here. Come on. So I was kind of thinking something similar. Um, and then a few lag putts, a few different bits and bobs happened on the way in. But no, not not particularly. Um, yeah, it didn't particularly put me off, uh, which I you know, thought was a good thing. If you looked at my finish, you'd think, oh, no, it must have kind of put them off. But honestly, no, it didn't really put me off. Yeah, you, like you missed the cut in the end. What what? What was the difference? You think we uh, did you not play a great second day? Was it just small little errors, small little margins like we all know exist in golf? Yeah, like it's really hard to put your finger on, but it just felt like like an uphill battle. It's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of on on the easier holes. Like I found a way of putting of making it really awkward, so you end up fighting for pairs on easy holes, and then. You know, the tougher holes are the tougher holes anyway. And then a couple of, you know, just poor mistakes. And it was just kind of, I suppose, like you said, loads of small things, but it was like a, a mix and match of a really bad recipe of things that obviously ended up in, you know, not a good result. But it's um, like, you know, you could then get in a position where you're like, you know, screw this, I'm going to, I'm going for everything in the way in. And then, you know, things can really come off the rails. So, like I said in an interview beforehand, like I had no goal of winning or competing or top tens or making cuts or any of that nonsense. It was just, I have a way of going to play this golf course and what will decide my result is how best I can execute my plan to execute it like I wanted it. So the result wasn't that good, but to say it was like um, the occasion or anything like that, I don't think it necessarily would have mattered. I don't feel I was really put off by any of that stuff. But yeah, just like I said, a lot of, um, uh, I would say poor shots maybe at the, poor, at, at the wrong times or on the wrong holes even. And um, and like I said, one thing there, sorry, I haven't said it to you yet, but there's certain things that TV just really doesn't show and the pin positions is is one of them. The pin positions in the first two days, like 
they're they're all on flats. Don't get me wrong, like, but two feet in either direction, and you're going to have a forty footer up a ridge. It's really, really, it's it's not wrong in any way. It it, it it's actually really good. But and um, that is one thing people that, that those guys don't get credit for. Just TV just can't highlight it in two D. So um, yeah, it is interesting. That's what I mean. Like when I start saying like, oh, I could go for things now, but. I go for things and things could really get off the rails. That's like I said, you you just stick to the plan and how best I can execute it. Yeah, because the reason I think they do those kind of pin, pin positions as well is because the wind wasn't that strong compared to other kind of opens in St Andrews. Um, and, you know, a lot of these greens are, are drivable in par four, so they have to do something to defend the course. And Like, we still saw 20 under winning it. Um, the cut was at two under. Talk to me about the mental even, like, as you said, you're in some of the easier holes. You know the majority of the of the field are burning them. That's a lot of pressure standing on a tee, knowing I kind of have to bury this, or else I'm going to lose strokes to the to the field. Yeah. Um. Like obviously on the tougher holes, you know, par is a good score, but a lot of those par fours, like nine and ten, on the first two days, they're playing like par three point fives nearly. You know what I mean? That's how the scoring was. Is is that tough to kind of you know when you're standing on a tee, knowing can I have to bury this? Yeah. Yeah. The- yeah, the cut was level. The cut was level. Um, yeah, it is. Like, it, it really is. But, like, you drive a green side, say on the 12th, for example, the short par four. And when the wind is favoring there, or even when it's just calm, assuming it's just not into, you can get it very, very close, if not on. But that's like, I would say that's like quarter of the battle. Because that green is absolutely mad. So, you could have 60 feet there from your tee shot, which is a super tee shot. And you know, a par is not that bad because you very easily come away with bogey still. And it is like, yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean by the, is, is it a lot of pressure? Yeah. I said, yeah, I suppose it is. You don't really look at it like that, but, Again, though, it's going to sound boring, like, but you, you, you kind of, you have a way of playing. You try to put it in certain positions to give yourself the best chance. And if it comes off, it, it comes off. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But you play it in such a way that you have your best, give yourself the best chance of shooting the lowest score. It's not necessarily, oh, they're playing it in under par. I need to play it under par. It's, I'm going to try to, but I'm going to try and do it the best way I know how to, not, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to birdie this. That's just you know, it's a waste of time thinking that way. So overall, did you did you like the way the course played over the first two days? Um, yeah, like I, I well, I've played San Andreas probably over twenty times now, and it, it just plays slightly different every time you play it. So, um, yeah, no, it plays, it does, it it's uh, it's funky. There's no doubt about it. It's definitely funky. It probably wouldn't be one of my favorite courses, but I did like. It. I thought there was nothing wrong with the way it played. Yeah, that was fair. Does seem to be quite marmite for pros. Some seem yeah. to love it. I know Mathis Patrick didn't say come out and pretty much said not a fan or doesn't think it suits the modern day uh, game. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's a good question. I suppose things like the seventeenth, like there's no other hole like that in the world, and it's so cool for people to watch it and things like that. But I, I can imagine the pros just would not be a fan of that that type of stuff. It's I think it's great if they were to play a casual round of golf, playing for their living. The biggest one of the biggest events, maybe they might ever play, but definitely one of the biggest events of the year. Um, I can imagine how they wouldn't be, they would not be a fan of that type of thing. Um, but you know, you just have to embrace it like it is what it is. It's, it's been played a lot of 150 events like that and more the Dunhill as well. So, um, yeah, you can't play in the golf course at all. The golf course is there to be played, like you just have to find a way of playing that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's interesting. I I I said as viewers, I like it. Um, I maybe we get caught up in the history of it and the you know the the allure of it, but I I definitely love to play it sometime. Yeah. Um, I'll 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 get you out of here soon, Ronan, because I've been nearly an hour chatting to you. No, I like uh, you've you've t- you've tasted your you know your your debut major. Has it has it lit the fires to keep pushing on and hopefully get some more? Yeah, absolutely. How can I not? Um, probably as highlighted a few things that i would like to get better but again i was kind of it's probably not the best the best way of looking at it in that 
I didn't really feel my game was in a great place last week. It was a bit of a, it was a bit, uh, I didn't feel that comfortable striking the ball. Um, so things were a little bit awkward, but um, yeah, it did, it did probably highlight a few things that I, I kind of felt I needed to improve anyway. I kind of always needed to improve. So um, that was good. But yeah, the amount I learned um, over the last couple of weeks has been, uh, it's been brilliant. It's just about how I go about doing it now. Do you do you take down notes of what you learn? Because it'd be quite difficult to keep it all in your mind. You know what I mean? You'd probably forget a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't come around to that because there's a lot of anger the last couple of days. So I haven't come around to that yet. I haven't sat myself down, which will be very nice. But um, yeah, no, I will. I'll have to do that yet. Um, but yeah, even like the last couple of days, I've been practicing quite hard. So um, yeah, no, I suppose it's only been motivation, I suppose, for the future. When you say anger for for missing the cut, yeah, even just the way it kind of it, it happens, even like played well the front nine and then it kind of slipped away and then it slipped away further the second day is just really graded with me. So nothing I can do about it now, but it did really annoy me. So, um, but it like again, it's what you sign up for. Like it's not supposed to, it's not supposed to be nice. It's not supposed to be easy. Uh, that's why so few, few people do it. So. Um, you can only be so angry so long. Get over it. I think uh, look, a lot of people would say that that's the right attitude to have or else, yeah, why, you know, if you're not there to compete, why are you there for kind of thing? Yeah. So I think that's what, uh, what makes pro golfers pro golfers. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I'll let you go, Ron. I said I always appreciate you coming on. I'm going to give you about a month and then I want to see half swings, 100 mile an hour ball speeds. It's just so crazy. Like, that, that. Two, two months. Okay, I'll give you two months. That memory will be forever in my brain. I was like, what is wrong with this behemoth? What is he yeah, doing to yeah. Marco? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, Ron, appreciate you. What do you have coming up next? Back to the Euro Pro Tour? No, Challenge Tour next week in the K Club. Um, and I actually have about three Challenge Tour starts in the next few weeks. So, kind of, again, busy period coming up. Hopefully, a very su- successful period for you. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, well, we'll we'll be following you as always, and hoping you uh, the best uh, of luck in the future events. So, Ronan, we appreciate. It. Next time you'll be on, it'll be a major winner. <laughs> uh, that's 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 the progression. That's the progression we're going for here. Yeah, absolutely, good man. Thanks very Thanks, much. Thanks, Ronan. Cheers.